if USC football gives out a an offer in January, does it make any noise? You are Locked On Trojans, your daily podcast on the USC Trojans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Fight on, everyone. I am your host, Mark Culkin, and thank you for making a Locked on USC your first listen every day. Whether you're watching on YouTube or wherever you like to download your podcast, we are free, and I really do appreciate your support. If you are watching on YouTube and you haven't done it yet, do me a favor, hit that red subscribe button. And to those, to those of you who already have, thank you so very, 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 very much. All right, this episode of Locked on USC is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked on. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com Locked on today to get started. So if a tree falls in the forest and no one's there to hear it, does it make a noise? Of course it does. Science has proven it. If you need to prove it to yourself, Go take a tape recorder, take your phone out to the forest, wait for the tree to fall, come back and retrieve it. You'll hear a noise. It happens. But the reason I'm bringing up this really stupid analogy is Lincoln Riley and his staff, as well as staffs across the country, uh, they've been out there throwing out new offers, throwing them out like they're going out of style. Uh, At least Lincoln Riley... At least I don't think he has. Uh, he's not throwing out any any of those uh, early offers to eighth graders. Um, I'm sure everybody under, remembers Lane Kiffin back in the day throwing out a an offer to a a young man by the name of David Sills, who was supposed to be the next greatest quarterback ever. Didn't turn out that way, although he did end up being a really really good wide receiver by the time he left college. Um, I just don't think uh, you're going to see those types of early offers come around too much more uh, going forward in the future. Hopefully that practice is in the past. What's ironic about it is those are the type of offers uh, that make noise. I'm just not sure it's it's a good sound or it's a good noise. You want your program, hey, yeah, you know, so-and-so made an offer to to a seventh grader or an eighth grader. These guys are just starting to hit puberty. Let's let their voice make that change before uh, you ask them to start considering where they want to go to college. Heck, they might not even play video games tomorrow, let alone play football. Um, so how how much does an offer in January mean? How much does that offer mean compared to, say, an offer that Lincoln Riley and his staff might give to a recruit later in the year? after he's had a chance to go see him practice uh, maybe during the summer as their team is getting prepared for the, for the fall season, or even after the first couple of the games into the season. Uh, does that offer mean more? Maybe, you know, obviously the staff likes what they saw, they wouldn't be giving an offer, but is that, is that going to carry more weight compared to say someone who was given an offer back in January or February. So, you know, how many of these offers that are, you know, being thrown around 
you know, like those free T-shirts that get thrown around during uh, timeouts at the USC games, how many of those uh, offers is, is the staff going to be willing to accept later this year? Uh, look, I'm, I'm going to be real honest. And I, I think uh, the way he's kind of presented the situation, I don't think Lincoln Riley gives two rips uh, about the uh, the feels game, about feelings. Uh, although I, I, he does have to keep that balancing act, um, he and the staff, about, you know, if you're going to throw out an offer, you've got to, you got to be prepared to to take a commitment, even if uh, you might not want that commitment later. And the reason being why it's a balancing act about if you're going to throw out an offer, you better be willing to to take the commitment. Is high schools, uh, you know, and the people who mentor these recruits, these young men, these kids, uh, coaches, they have long memories, and if they feel that you know their players are, are kind of being treated like a redheaded stepchild uh, that could be problematic down you know down the line you know the the perception of how things play out publicly uh, that that kind of stuff can spread like a wildfire and then the staff has to kind of work twice as hard uh, to clean up any you know fake news that might be out there behind the scenes so while it's great to to, to get an offer not all, not all of them are created equal. You know, there are those. There's, there's what are called committable offers. Uh, usually, it's those four and five star players. You get an offer. You, you've already got that. Those recruiting rankings. The staff is out to see you at the top of their list. That's probably a committable offer. But what about the ones they're throwing out to the guys in for the class of 2025 and and beyond? Uh, I like to categorize those of in, into the uh, we'll we'll see you again real soon, Mister Twenty Twenty Five recruit. We'll st- let's stay in touch. So, what happens if that Twenty Twenty Five recruit commits, and then he just doesn't pan out throughout his junior and se- senior seasons? Well, they're going to get the message one way or another when the staff doesn't stay in touch with them. So. What do you do with those recruits who commit real early? Again, same same thought process. They they don't have a great senior season, and I'm talking now specifically about 2024. Uh, that offer is going to go cold if that player has a poor year. And again, we know how the recruiting game is. It, it's ruthless. Like I said. The perception of how things play out, uh, it's it's real. You have to, if you're going to throw, I guess I'm going to repeat myself. If you're throwing out offers early, you have to be prepared to, to take an offer or to take a, a commitment because players are going to jump on it. And then at the same time, you're going to have to maybe cut bait down the line if those players don't pan out the way you thought they might have. And you're getting a, better players on your radar. So not only that, I mean, think about this when you're recruiting. Now you actually have to incentivize players who say that, you know, they want to play for their dream school. 
you do, I don't even know if dream schools still exist. I mean, heck, I'll be honest. <laughs> My dreams can be bought for the right price if the ends justify the means. I'm just going to keep it real. I mean, these young men who are going on to play college football and basketball, if, if they can get paid and then still realize their future dreams, which is, you know, a pro professional career in the NFL, the NBA, they're going to say, sign me up. They're going to say, you know what, USC, you are my dream school, but now I can get paid. I can be a little bit more financially secure and I can still have a reasonable guarantee that I'm going to reach my professional goal. That's where we're at right now. Uh, shifting, a, I want to shift gears just a little bit into the, in this first segment uh, with recruiting, but it, it goes to the uh, early enrollment part of it. You know, we're talking about early offers, so early enrollment. Should there be uh, more expected from players like Sam Green, Tackett Curtis, Braylon Shelby? Should we anticipate more? I hate to use the word expectation. Is that, a, is that fair or isn't it? I mean, the mentality, Lincoln Riley's mentality is, you know, win now. Recruits and, and players' mentality is win now, play now. So if they're not, you know, I, I guess if you're going to be an early enrollee, there's a really good chance you're going to see the field sooner. And this is one way, I guess that's a built-in excuse, that Lincoln Riley can uh, get his players on the field quicker. Uh, you know, again, this goes back to upgrading the roster. But should these play? You know, should those players, um, should they be expected to play and contribute right away because they were early enrollees? It, it's a. It's interesting because these same types of players who came in last year. You know, recruits who were revered one year, those 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 guys kind of get thrown out with the the bathwater when when the new recruits arrive, and it, it it's like all right, you you can't consider a redshirt freshman or a true sophomore uh, a non contributor. It takes time. <laughs> so do the do the transfers leave because they're they're not getting paid fast enough? They're, in other words, they don't play soon enough so they can start earning their NIL dreams. And the reason I'm bringing that up is I'm going to talk a little bit more about NIL in the next segment. Again, the, the recruiting landscape, it's changed and it continues to evolve with all these different variables. And I'll try and tie it together in the next segment. So right now, though, FanDuel, that's right. The NFL playoffs are here, and we're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they are the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and really easy. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash Locked On, and when you place your first $5 bet, you're going to get $150 in free bets, guaranteed. FanDuel has all of your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. Plus, 
You can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. And you can do all that on an app that's really safe, secure, and really super easy to use. So, football fans, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. So, all right. So, once again, thank you for making Locked on USC your first listen every day. I need to make sure you check out our brand new podcast, Locked on College Basketball. There you have everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus, you get to hear it from big-name experts, insiders, coaches, and the players. Locked on College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. NIL. It's having a huge effect on college football, college sports, every single program, including the non-revenue. So is it time for the big dogs to kind of separate themselves from the little dogs? And I'm talking about the Power Five conferences. Is it time to literally just go create their own organization? Quick answer, yes. Here's what's going on. Here's why. The, the way the game, the, and we're just going to obviously focus on football, basketball, but the way the, the game's landscape is changing with the NIL and, and the transfer portal, the rich schools, they're just going to continue to get richer. And that class system that you know, was already in existence, it's just going to continue to get worse. And you can already see, you know, the effects it's having on, on certain programs that are part of Power Five conferences. I'm talking about schools like Washington State, Oregon State, Arizona. You know, they get raided after they develop their best players. It's so weird. Um, let's use Oregon State as an example. They're trending up. They just had a 10-win season. They dominated an SEC team in their bowl game, Florida. Granted, it's not the Florida you're, you're, you've been accustomed to the last 10, 15, 20 years. Nevertheless, Florida, an SEC team, typically has a better roster than Oregon State. The Beavers thrashed them. It wasn't even close. So what happens? 10 wins. Oregon State is now getting a, uh, they get the DJ Ungalele transfer from Clemson, high-profile quarterback. You're thinking, all right, well, Oregon State trending up. Former five-star quarterback transferring from Clemson to Oregon State, obviously trying to rejuvenate his own career. Uh, but then Oregon State's best defender, linebacker Omar Spates, he bolts and heads over to LSU, at, to the SEC. Obviously, he's uh, looking for more bigger exposure, playing against, but I guess in his mind, a you know a better quality of uh, programs throughout the season. Well, this is not good for the programs like Oregon State, Washington, Washington State, Arizona, the schools like USC, LSU. They benefit. They they're taking the best players who have been developed for three or four years at these other programs. 
And those programs, essentially, they're being affected by NIL. It's a side effect because they can't compete. Uh, another side effect, the collectives are ciphering money away from athletic departments, from the donations going to the to these athletic departments. And this is happening at USC. That's another, that's another side effect of, all right, well, you know, you have to somehow be able to, I talked about incentivizing, uh, show, show the money <laughs> to the Caleb Williams of the world, to the transfer portal players that you're renting for a year. Look, let's, let's be honest here. Caleb Williams probably makes more money than some of the non-revenue uh, coaches, the, the coaches of the sports of the non-revenue teams. And I know he certainly makes more than some of the budgets for those programs. It's not even close. Those gifts, those monetary gifts have to come from somewhere. You know, while the Beats by Dre are cool and the uh, and doing the commercials for those, you know, the athletic energy drinks, being the uh, waving the starters flag, the green flag for the upcoming NASCAR race at the Coliseum, uh, AT&T stuff, all that's fine and dandy when you're Caleb Williams. But those one-year rental players... Uh, that you're getting in the transfer portal, they're, they ain't cheap in today's marketplace. So those are private donations. That money is coming from boosters to the collectives. In the past, that money from the boosters was going to the athletic departments. Well, now the everyday fan is on the hook to subsidize those programs. The tennis programs, golf, water polo, swimming, national championship teams. <laughs> and so when you ask yourself, well, why are football season ticket prices going up? And why am I paying more with PSL taxes, personal seat licensing? Why are, why are these being attached? Well, that money has to go pay for those programs that aren't getting the booster donations anymore because the boosters are now funneling that money to the collectives because they want to pay for football. They want to pay for basketball. So it's, it's weird though. It seems like the schools are still raking in money hand over fist, regardless of where the money's coming from. They are still making boatloads. I know USC is look at the tuition. Uh, so if the athletic department donations drop because those those funds can now be directed to individual players or programs, why should the fan have to pay for the badminton team? USC doesn't have a badminton team. You, know, you get my point. You know, where is the, uh, what is the endowment paying for besides new buildings? which are great for the future. You know, you want USC to be able to provide their, their student body. Absolutely. Hire the greatest, you know, professors available. But it, it just doesn't feel right that the cost is being passed down while the football and basketball, you know, those programs are going to get all the NIL shine. You know, women's basketball too. You know, the number one recruits in the country, they come with a cost. 
hey, I'm not knocking these players for getting paid. I'm just show, I'm just trying to point out there are side effects. It's going to affect other pro these collectives when the donations go there. They lack the and if athletic department donations start to drop, this is why. So, I guess uh, as the Mandalorian would say, this is the way. All right, I'm gonna do some uh, quick Q and A before I uh, get out of here. Answer some of the questions. Some, I'm going to give some answers to your questions because I really do appreciate the investment you guys put into the show. If you have the time to watch, hey, get all your Trojan USC information in 30 minutes or less. I want to say thank you again. And if you have some questions, I want to give you the answers. Can't do it every show, but every few episodes, drop some answers for you, give you some knowledge. One of our viewer listeners, Gordon, asked, about the freshman O-line. Uh, he asked uh, if uh, if any of the freshman O-line in the 2023 class, if they've, if they're already enrolled. Well, I can see that one has early enrolled, Elijah Page. Oh, by the way, he's the, the highest rated of the group. But I'm not, I, I guess I, I'm assuming Gordon's question is really, you know, when, how soon can we look forward to these guys playing? I'm not sure we should anticipate the need for any of those guys to play in 2023. That's still the one position group that needs to be nurtured. And that's why I like the one-year portal rentals going forward. I think that is that is going to be something that is going to be used more and more, not just by USC, but by more programs across the country, specifically O-line. And hopefully USC can get in on the D-line. They got a couple coming in, but I know everyone's focus is on USC's defense in 2023. Uh, but those special skill players are enrolled uh, early at wide receiver. You know, the Zachariah branch, and uh, Makai Lemon. So those guys are, we plan to see performing or getting on the field early. Hopefully uh, I answered your question there, Gordon. Keep them coming. This one, it wasn't so much a question as much as of a comment, but I wanna, I wanna respond to it here. This is from Michael, who, who didn't care for the title of yesterday's episode of Locked on USC. I titled it, USC is Transfer U. I suggest this, I, I make this suggestion, that if USC, if everyone's okay with calling USC tailback you, wide receiver you, Heisman you, if those are all acceptable, then so should transfer you. No, we talked about it in the, in the uh, I've been talking about it throughout other episodes of Locked on USC and I touched on it in this episode. College football landscape is changing. And if the transfer portal can be used properly, why not brag about your toolbox, so to speak? Not everything has to be seen as a negative. Look, I get it when people see players transferring, and I touched about it you know, in the previous segment. It can be perceived as a negative. Um, but again, it's it's... 
maybe it's the NIL part of it that that gives it the uh, that that negative narrative because of players are chasing the dollar, so to speak. Uh, look, but like I said, I don't think everything has to be seen as a negative. I get it. I understand where you're coming from, Michael, but it's a paradigm shift, at least for me. So no harm, no foul on my end, but I do choose my words deliberately. So yeah, it was on purpose. Jim, he asked about uh, the topic we've been talking about lately, the transfer portal and NIL and how it's changed the game big time. In some cases, it has gone from fight on for old SC to fight on for dollar sign SC. Uh, for others, they are looking for a program coaches that help them develop into second or third round NFL draft picks and the big money. This goes back to what I was talking about uh, in the first segment with regards to players playing for their dream school. You know, it's crazy. If you, if you go back and listen to some of the recruiting interviews that those players did, things will change real quick when the change purse starts jingling. Players who, you know, they had their dream school, they got there, but all of a sudden, hey, my dreams cost a little bit more. <laughs> um, he, Jim also, I said he wanted to know about my feelings on it. Uh, on uh, or my thoughts on on the possible expanded schedule that's going to be happening soon. Apparently, uh, the Big Ten or whatever they're going to be up to, however many teams, they're going to be looking at adding a a semifinal to their conference championship, and the BCS will be adding another game. So apparently, they're they're going to be going from a ten game schedule with a bowl game to a ten or eleven game schedule with two games for a conference championship and then a three games to the BCS championship game. So that would be like 15 or 16 games. Hey, if that's the direction they're going, I'm cool with it. Especially, you know, since I think there's going to be that separation of the classes eventually. Uh, I really do think that soon, I don't know how soon, but these, the power five schools, these super conferences are going to separate and form their own entity away from what we currently know, uh, the how we currently know the NCAA. So, I, yeah, I'm good with it. You know, how many games do they play in the FCS playoff system? You know, if those guys can handle, you know, 14, 15, 16 game seasons, pretty sure USC can do, and Ohio State, Michigan, those programs, they can handle it also. All right, so there you go. Two or three questions got squeezed in there. Once again, thank you for making Locked On USC your first listen every day. I want you to please go check out Locked On um, College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college basketball, they've got it in one place. You're going to hear it from big names, experts, coaches, players, all in one place. Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. And oh, by the way, college basketball fans, you're out there, USC fans. I know you're out there. USC, they host UCLA on Thursday. Get your derrieres to the Galen Center. Fill it up. Sell it out. Give USC the home court advantage. And uh, let's get back one of those. Let's get back uh, the win that they pretty much gave away at the end there at Poly Pavilion. All right. 
that's that's the end of this episode of Locked on USC. I'll be back for another one because we come at you five days a week. Until then, you know what to do.